Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the guys who are coughing and sniffing today, uh, Keith Jarvis and myself. Um, you're just getting over COVID, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Um, I just have my second time. <laughs> I had yeah. it right after COVID went away. Nobody in our house got it until the very end. And I was the last person to get it. And my girlfriend ended up giving it to me. And I was sick for a month. <laughs> I mean, bad. And uh, and then I and then I hadn't had it since the very end of COVID until just last week. So you know, I think my wife and I actually had an undocumented case about a month before the whole country went batshit crazy over it. Okay. And I can say that because this is after hours, so it doesn't get on the radio. So nobody's yeah. going to yell at me. But the point is, we were feeling just ugh, and tired. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'd do a show and then I'd have to go lay down for or get in a chair for an hour just cause I was exhausted and never felt good. Never got a high fever or anything just like that. And so, and then all of a sudden that was like in December and all of a sudden in January, uh, they came up with, you know, COVID and yeah. here we are. So I don't know. Anyway, um, you want to do some after hours, tough questions? Of course. Okay. Here we go. Uh, what's, uh, one mistake, from your past that you would like to erase and why? Oh man. One mistake from my past that I could just wipe out. Um, gosh, Jeff, that's a tough one. <sighs> Made so many mistakes in my life, brother. Hey, we all do. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, a lot of people probably don't know this about me. I don't know if I want to say it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let me think about that. Yeah, one. we can come back to that. Back to that one. Okay. No, you're not the first one that's ever done that, so it's okay. Um, what's what do you think is the toughest part of your job? Let me go back to the other question. Run away, okay. running away from home when I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, I left home when I was, I don't know, maybe in, I want to say maybe eighth grade. Maybe, no, it had to be younger than that. Maybe seventh or eighth grade. So you're about 12 or 13, something like that? Yeah, for a couple of years. You came back though, eventually? I did come back, yeah. And then, and then I, and then I ended up moving to California with my dad. Oh, okay. Well, um, I can I can see that there was a few times when my parents were dragging me around the world riding horses, yeah. Yeah. which I was pretty good at. I wanted to be back home, you know, 
floating the creek or or yeah. playing playing football with my buddies or chasing the to, girls at the dance or whatever, you know. I went to 14 different schools from kindergarten to graduation. Oh, oh, that's that's hard. That's yeah. hard. All right. So let's go here. What's uh what do you think the toughest part of your job is? Um I would say the toughest part of my job with all sincerity is being able to cut the student off when the time's up. I know I, I'm not, I can't do it. I just don't yeah. do it. Right. So I think most of my clients know, Oh, he's running a little bit over, but he'll run over with me or, you know, whatever. So um, I don't ever want anybody to feel like I'm rushing them to the end. Like, okay. So, you know, and they're shanking balls over into the corner of the net, you know, and I'm like, I just can't leave them like I just I can't leave them like that. That's yeah. the hard part. So then you if you're back to back for let's say you're teaching half hour lessons and you got six in the morning, right? Or more, and then you got one but one person that's having some trouble and and um you don't want to let them leave like that. So I'll just grind it out with them until I get them hitting some balls up in the air and straight and say, Okay, how are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? Yeah, okay, good. But I could end up being 10 or 15 minutes late while I've got a student waiting there. Right. And, um, and they know what I'm doing. Right. And they, 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 they know that I've spent almost everybody knows that I'll go the extra mile. I just, sure. it's the old, it's the old under promise and over deliver thing, I guess. Right. Right. I mean, but that, that can be hard when you're knocking out 12 lessons a day, right. You get behind yeah. and then you got your lunch break and you're trying to get some food and relax for an hour. And, you know, and then you got to make up the, you know, 15 Take up the time. Yeah. yeah you get behind there and makes it, makes it tough. That's, that's the toughest part of my job is staying on that time frame. And I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at it, but I just can't let somebody walk away without a smile on their face. You know, you were talking about uh, an hour being too long and that when I used to teach people to ride and I didn't really ever teach right from the beginning. You know, yeah. they, they had to have a certain level of competency when they came to me because I, I didn't have I had plenty of opportunities to do that. And they were all lovely people, but I just didn't have the time. Right. You know, if you had a horse in our in our barn and you were touring with us and all that, you got my priority. Yeah. And and, you know, you know why. Yeah. Um, but. Usually in a, a lesson thing, we give them five or 10 minutes to warm up, warm up the horse and that, but you were right about, about a half hour is all the mind and, uh, and body working together, <laughs> golf and horses, you know, it's two things. It's your mind yeah. and body, uh, yeah. that type of thing. And then even though there would be, cause the parents would be there like, well, I'm paying for an hour lesson. So I would take like the last 15 minutes and just have fun and play games with them. Yeah. You know, that's Say, can you, you know, go down here and stand up in your saddle or whatever the hell I did. <laughs> yeah. But it was, you had to back them off of that intensity. Yeah. Um, and so that they were relaxed when it was all done. That's the way I did it. And yeah. it, it seemed to work. Okay. Anyway. Okay. How have things changed since you started in golf? 500 words or less. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think the way things have changed is we know more about, uh, the body and how the body moves, right? We didn't know a lot of that stuff. The, uh, you know, the way the body's built and how the joints are built to move, um, which ones are stable, supposed to be stable, which ones are supposed to be flexible. Um, 
and I think I think technology's gotten a lot better too. Like we know more about ball flight for a hundred years. We always thought the path is what started the ball and the face curved the ball, and it's the opposite. We all yeah. we all grew up learning that as players, and also uh, later in life learning to teach, and we learned to teach that way, and it was wrong for a long time. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, who do you think, besides me, is the biggest influence on you personally? Um, you mean from a life perspective or a golf perspective? Or You, you choose. There's no wrong answers. Um, I would say from a life perspective, my great-grandfather was. I, I stayed with him a lot when I was younger. Um, you know, my mom was working two, three jobs and stuff, and um we lived with my great grandfather for a while uh he took me hunting he took me fishing he took me uh you know picking night crawlers out of the grass in the middle of the night so we could get on the boat at five in the morning and right um we built bicycles together and um you know cool stuff very yeah, cool a lot stuff. of stuff and i would say golf golf was uh, i don't know i have to think about that one I've, I've learned a lot from a lot of different people in golf that that have been nothing but nice to me do you remember when you first picked up a golf club yeah i was 12 years old in colorado my stepbrother and stepsister think took me to make fun of me and and i was terrible obviously at the time i was a surfer and skateboarder at the time and um they took me out for the first time they were both big jocks in school and i think they did it to embarrass me but i had such a good time i knew from that moment i was going to play golf for a while do they still go out with you and you whoop on them no, they're with they, a uh, haven't seen him in years. My parent, the, the, my parents got divorced. My mom got divorced from him. Ah, okay. So I didn't see them anymore after that. Okay. All right. Um, you get a chance just to go play for fun. I mean, actually on the course, not on the sim. You know, I, I do, but I only play nine holes and normally I take students with me. Yeah. So I'll take three students. We'll go out and play nine holes and lunch. And I tell them, Hey, if you guys want to keep going, by all means, keep going. I just can't like, you know, I, I played, I did play a few 18 hole rounds, probably more this last year than I have in a while. Um, part of it's because one of the girls I coach, um, her dad has a membership at a club and he likes me to come out with them a bunch. And then I introduced him to a couple other students of mine. And so now we have this little foursome and we all play against each other. And I got these funny like, little, uh, uh, you know, uh, vest that you that you see the people on the street wearing the floor right. and so it says shit golfer on the back <laughs> and so now whoever wins the other two guys have to wear the shit golfer vest the next time we play oh that's good have you had to wear it i haven't had to wear it yet <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good um who's been your biggest influence in golf You know, I don't think I would ever have, I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't know if I would have ever been as, as good as I've been in, in golf. I'm not very good anymore, but I used to be really good. And I think a lot of that came from, um, uh, Hank Haney when I was younger, Tim Kuzik, Tim Kuzik used to work for Hank out at PGA West out in California, a bunch of us from our neighborhood. Those guys uh, took lessons from him before I did. And then um, I started going out there and taking lessons. And that's that's what changed my game. You know, Tim Kuzak and Hank. Um, but learned from a lot of other people along the way. You know, obviously Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett. 
took some lessons from Butch, a bunch of the guys down at Lake Ledbetter and Lake when they were at Lake Nona. Um, I, you know, I after after I knew I could be good, I also wanted to know a lot more about why. So I would go to different instructors and try, and I'd take lessons from them just to learn. Right? Yeah, yeah. And whether it helped me or not, it always helped me from guys like that, you know. But if I knew about some Mac O'Grady, right, out in Palm Springs, like I'd go out there, him and, and the other guy, Tom Anton. I used to take lessons out there with those guys. And, you know, you just learn a lot about stuff then. And um, I can't say there's any one person, you know. Did you ever think of, because you work for yourself, <clears throat> did you ever think of becoming like just a club pro and just at a country club and some of those guys have been there 25 years. Yeah, you know? I did that. I did that in Atlanta for about, I was a head pro director of instruction at the heritage golf club in Atlanta. It was privately owned by uh, Mr. White. And when Mr. White sold to Dr. J, um, Dr. J brought in his own people and they let me go. Okay. So, um, but I, yeah, I was a head pro there for, I was probably the longest head pro that had ever been there because I got along with Mr. White so well. <laughs> and and um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I really, I had a good job there. And Mr. White and his whole family, Mrs. White, they all treated me very, very well. I mean, we'd go out to dinner at least a couple times a week. You know, we had deals with all the restaurants. All those guys would come play golf and eat and drink and do whatever they wanted. And then on the on the nights, like, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, we'd all go to their restaurant and eat like kings. Oh, and there you go. Bill, not have a bill, so it was great. Yeah. Uh, Keith, what's one thing you do miss about your 20s? Because I know you're not 20 anymore, brother. Yeah. Um. just being more carefree it just seems like the older you get, the more responsibility you have, right? Money, a car, a house, insurance, um, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, probably some people had that kind of stuff in their twenties and I don't remember how, I mean, obviously I probably had a car and different things, but I'm sure my parents helped me out a bunch when I was younger, different things like that. Um, yeah, I would just say, uh, more carefree, man. I mean, I still, I'm still probably that way to a fault, <laughs> Yeah, but, but, uh, that's just my personality. I just, I function better that way. The one thing I miss is being able to get up in the morning, stand up straight. Oh, even if I had a world-class hangover in those days, cause <laughs> you know, you could go 20 hours at a stretch easy, Yeah, uh, you know, work all day and take a shower, go out with your buddies and yeah go dancing and drinking or whatever you know like that um now okay. not so much yeah i'd go along with that one yeah definitely uh, on the hangover end I, I did dry january this year i made it 27 days out of 31 so i did have a couple cocktails for lunch one day and a couple glasses of wine another time so i, I did miss five days out of that month but i'll tell you what man i felt like a champion i'm trying to continue the the uh february as much as i can i have had a few cocktails but the other thing i learned too is even when i go out now i'll have one or two instead of sit sitting there for you know a while talking to people like i like to network you know and have three or four you know whatever like I, I've, I've narrowed that down a, quite a bit too even when i'm home now like if i get home after a long day i might have one i might actually even pour number two but it'll sit there and and uh and melt the ice 
will melt it. Yeah, don't drink it. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't ever. I've never talked about this too much on the show, but the world I came from, everybody drank. Yeah, mine, me too. And uh, and I was traveling all the time, and to be able to get to sleep because I'm a terrible sleeper. Um, but you'd get to wherever you were going, and you know, if there was a whole crew of us working that event together, we'd meet in the bar, have a few, get up, you know, and it was just constant, never drank during the day, never, you know, was hung over a few times. Yeah. But when our, our daughter was born, one day I just decided that I didn't want my kid to think that dad had to drink every night. Yep, yeah. Nobody said anything. My wife never, you know, like that. I would, uh, cause my wife always said you were kind of a happy, sleepy drunk, you know, yeah. when you, when you, when you drank too much, you'd sit in your chair and you'd fall asleep, you know, yeah, and, and like that. So I just backed off of that for years. Now I'll still have a drink once. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, a, not opposed to it at all. And I have so I have one of the best collections of single malt scotch in the world, you know, Here's 10 so feet much. from me where we're sitting now, yeah. but I know it's made it a lot easier to get up in the morning on me sure. and, and that is no condemnation or anything of anybody. Everybody lives their own life. And, yeah. um, and, but like you, I, 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 I have a drink at Thanksgiving. I have a drink at Christmas. I can have two, three, 10, if I wanted, I yeah. couldn't drink 10 scotches anymore. Not anymore. I, <laughs> I would be in bed for four days. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, so if Keith, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Man, I'd like to be a dog. You know, they have a lick, man. Yeah, Not just their butt. I mean, they have. I think yeah. all the dogs I've had in my life, you know, ones that I I have five now, but um, ones even though that have passed on through time over time, like you just there's a different kind of love between a human and a dog if it's your your dog. Your dog. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even. Like I go to the pet store and all the dogs that are running around with their other owners, they come up to me and they, you know, they can smell my pants because they can smell the other animals on me. And I think there's just something about like, I don't know, I'd like to be a lab or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, a lab just seems like outdoorsy kind of go jump in the lake and, you know, yep. play always busy. Yeah. Always busy. Eat like a chow hound. And... Okay. Let's get back to golf for a second. What? would you keith jarvis suggest um should be could be would be the biggest change made in pro golf and amateur golf if there is any now we got the ball rollback thing which you know i don't know uh but i won't comment too much on it yeah i don't i don't look you know my my position on that if anybody cares is they're doing that for a group of people at the top of the top the yeah and those, top percent, yeah and they and those guys are you look at the guys that are playing on tour today versus the guys that are playing were playing on tour 35 years ago these guys are more fit they go yeah. to the gym four hours a day they train yeah. they're yeah. they're real real athletes okay and i think that's punishing them in a way for the work and time they've put in to try to get to where they're at. That's just my opinion. Uh, and as far as like amateur players like me, uh, I need all the help I can get, Absolutely. you know, 
if that ball will give me another 10 yards on a drive or a seven iron, we need it. Why, why are you taking that away from me? I don't get that, but. And I think going along with what you're saying is I think, look, let's just say just, just to put a name out there, let's say Bryson DeChambeau is the longest hitter on the tour. I don't know if he still is, but let's say he is just to make an example. And then you've got Rory or, and then you've got, DJ. Right. Those guys are still going to be the longest hitters on the tour, regardless of what you do to the ball. It's only going to hurt the guys that can't hit it. Like the guys that hit it 250, 275. It's only going to hurt those guys. The Zach Johnson type guys. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. look at Buck has two majors, right? He yeah. did it a good player, but you you start taking that distance, like, and he's trained and worked hard to get that extra 10 yards. Right. And now you're going to roll it back and you know, all these guys. You know, look at the Champions Tour guys. I mean, they're still hitting it quite a ways, right? And that's because they're good players. But you take some of those guys that are just barely on there and take that 10, 15, 20 yards away from them, they're not playing on the Champions Tour anymore. Yeah. These on the Corn Ferry aren't playing on the Corn Ferry anymore because they yeah. don't hit 300. I don't right. know about it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I don't know. I know that, you know, Nicholas was a big proponent of that and this and that. Uh, I understand his thinking, but, you know, instead of worrying about the distance on the courses, if they're designing new courses, make it tougher to get to the pin. You know what I mean? In my book, uh, there's throw the rough up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just do that. Okay. Back Press to some rough on every course. Let's see. Let's see what kind of scores you get out of that. Do you have a favorite sports writer, golf writer? Um, you know, I like uh, uh, who is it? The guys write for Golfers Journal a lot. Um, is it Alan Shipnock or yeah, Alan Shipnock? Yeah, yeah. And they they have they're all they all collaborate a lot through uh, what's it Fire, Fire Pit Fire Pit Collective. Pit. Yeah, yeah, those guys are great. I think yeah. And Tom uh, Tom Cone Cone, you see that? Uh, yeah, he's really good too. He writes some good stuff. Yeah um tom's been on the show a few times alan's never been on the show but tom's been on the show because um i just got my um golfer's journal yesterday yeah or the, from the broken tea society you know yeah. that type of thing yeah. yeah i gotta renew mine just expired um new episode yet so a couple obvious ones and we'll wrap this up yep. uh are you more of a sweatshirt or a formal wear kind of guy um it depends on what I'm doing. Like if I'm just around the house or running around town doing a bunch of things, I'll throw on some jeans and a t-shirt or a sweatshirt if it's a little chilly. Um, but if I'm going out to dinner, I might put on a, a pair of jeans without any holes in the knees and a, yeah. and a nice uh, button up shirt Sure, you know, and a belt and some loafers. What do you want? <laughs> Keith, what do you want to do when and if you ever retire? I want to move to Costa Rica and start a like little fishing charter to take people out to catch fish and maybe teach some golf and teach some surfing. No, there you go. There you go. Live on, living on the Island. There's no guns over there. All there is a bunch of petty crime, people breaking into your, you know, car. Um, it's just a, one of the, I've been going there since college. It's just one of the best places I've ever been. I've all, every time I go there, I say, I'm not going to go back. I'm not, I'm not going to come back to the U.S. I'm going to stay there, but I always come back, but I always think about going there. And um, one of the guys that designed our course at the Heritage 
he built a course over there. So I was talking to him for a while back when I was still pro head pro over there about possible, possibly moving to Costa Rica and being head pro at his course there. I never did it. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it's always at the back of my mind. Yeah. But so, you see, you never met me then. I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was a great part of life here. Um, what would be your last meal if you were on death row? Oh man, uh, steak and lobster. Well, Matt, you know, I'm going to say steak and crab legs, King Alaskan King crab legs. Got to yeah. do the Oregon Dungeness crab, Keith. Uh, it's it's they're better than Alaskan King crab. They're, I heard you. I heard you saying that just a little bit ago. Yeah, they are I'll really good. Okay, one last thing. This is your opportunity. What would your message to the world be? My message to the world is, uh, I think that we have to figure out a way to communicate with each other and have more empathy for each other, love each other more, support each other more. You know, it's not always a handout, it's a hand up, right? I think hand up, hands up are way more valuable than handouts. Um, right. And that's not to say it's not okay to do that. Some people need that too. Hang on, buddy. I'll take you in a minute. I'll be off this in just a minute. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, it goes back to the communication thing. So if you meet somebody and let's just say you have a Pittsburgh Steeler hat on, right? I'm a big Pittsburgh fan. And the person next to you is, is a Giants fan, right? Well, you never have any problem talking to another uh, another person that likes a different team than you do because you have football in common, right? right? So that's, all, that's always the piece that's missing. Like somebody, you, you get, you start to talk to somebody and, and you, you don't get along with them at the beginning. Like Abraham Lincoln always said, I, I don't, I, I don't like that person. So I have to get to know them better. Right. So um, I think sometimes when you have that, that communication problem, and I think it's, hurting our country right now that, I mean, I remember when my parents, we'd have barbecues, everybody would come over and have to the barbecue on both sides of the aisle. And I'm not just talking about politics, but in this yeah. particular case, like you can't, you can't go anywhere and support the, the past president. A lot of people don't like the current president president. And, and I think a lot of that's just, we've got to be able to say, look, it doesn't matter. We could still be friends. We could still talk. We could right. have, a, we can eat a steak. We don't have to like everything about each other, but we don't have to hate each other for the little things. Right. I think that's good advice. That's good advice. Keith Jarvis from Keith Jarvis golf in New Jersey. Thanks buddy. It's good to see you again. Welcome Find back. You have in common with that person and you'll be able to have a conversation with you. Absolutely. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Don't forget uh, a couple of folks we've got coming up. Um, had a couple of scheduling issues. Sandra Gall is coming up and also Sarah Kemp, both from the LPGA Tour. We're going to have Dick Stevens talking about the Portland uh, Golf Show coming up uh week after next so uh we've got some things on the horizon here so for keith jarvis and myself we want to thank you for listening to grilling at the green uh remember go out play some golf and be kind take care everybody <laughs>